Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Our text for our sermon is from our first lesson, which is recorded in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5-12. through 12. To remind you of that account, I will read the first verse. The Lord appeared to Solomon in Gibeon in a dream at night. God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give to you. This is the word of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, do you realize what God just did for Solomon? Solomon, here's a blank check. I'm the God who created everything, the only God. I got it all. So you fill in whatever you want. Believe me, it is not impossible for me. I might ask for three more wishes. I might ask for wealth. What would you ask for? Solomon asked for wisdom, but a specific kind of wisdom. You've got to remember in those days, the king was the executive, legislative, and judicial branch, which we have divided up in our government. He asked for the wisdom to be a wise ruler. And ultimately, the thing that fascinates me when we look at it is, you've heard me say in sermons before, the Hebrew language does not have tense, as in present, future, past. It has aspect, completed action, incompleted action, and you have to guess out of the context if it's future or not. Well, actually, verse 12, if we translate it literally, it's completed aspect. So God says, and by the way, from here on out, I'll be preaching on my own translation on the Hebrew to bring out some of these things. God says, pay close attention. I have done according to your words. Pay close attention. I have given you a wise, that would be a skilled heart, and one that is discerning, so that no one like you has existed before you, and no one like you will arise after you. Now, most people take that, because God's answering his question, they translate it as future, and that's, per that's perfectly fine, that's theologically fine, but I actually think God is saying, I've already done it. You know how God tested Abraham, telling him to kill Isaac, the same guy he said the world's going to be blessed through him? I say, Abraham already passed the test when he told his servants, we'll be back. He figured, if I kill this kid, God's got to raise him to keep his promises. In a way, God's testing Solomon today. And the way he tests him is to show, remember, Solomon's a teenager in his late teens when he is made king, to show him, I already predestined you. Remember our epistle lesson in Romans chapter 8? I already predestined you. I already planned this out. I've already given you the wisdom. And unlike the wizard behind the curtain in the Wizard of Oz telling, for example, the line, well, look, I can't give you courage, but you had a lot of courage on your trip. God isn't saying that. God's saying, I already gave you that wisdom. And that is shown by the fact that what does Solomon ask for? Wisdom. He had the wisdom to ask for wisdom. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, Christian wisdom is what our gospel lesson points out when you put the whole thing together, that you recognize that the treasure of eternal salvation in Christ, that means that that becomes the most valuable treasure of all in your life. Everything else uh, is a pale comparison to it. And so Christian wisdom is the ability to live in forgiveness, treasure forgiveness, and yes, share that forgiveness for others. To live in God's grace, that is when God takes us who don't deserve anything because we're sinners and makes us his children and gives us that treasure and share that grace and let it be seen in our lives. So applying today's text today and to you, we will ask the question, do you have Christian wisdom? And obviously today's text is not exhaustive of the subject, but God comes to Solomon and says, here's a blank check, Solomon, fill it in. 
what do you want? And in verse 6, we're told, And so Solomon said, You have done great loving kindness for the advantage of your servant David, my father. Whoa, hit the brakes. The Hebrew word that I translated here is loving kindness. I normally translate as committed love. It's the most common Hebrew word for God's mercy and grace. When you and I are sinners, as we learned in our second lesson, God had already predestined us, already planned to make sure we arrive in heaven. Before he said, let there be light. God's committed to us. Look at how he was committed to Solomon. Even after, after this, Solomon will end up uh, being driven away from the Lord by his many wives and near the end of his life returned. God is committed. So Solomon's pointing out God's committed love, which is one of the words we translate for mercy and loving mercy. And he continues about his father, in the same way as he walked before you in faithfulness and in righteousness and integrity of the heart in fellowship with you, all of those are a gift from God. All of those are because of God's love and mercy and, and his committed love. He continues, so you also watched over this great loving kindness for his benefit. Again, that's the word I usually translate as committed love. And you gave a son to him who was sitting upon his throne as at this very day. You even blessed him, unlike King Saul, whose faithful son God took to heaven. King Saul never had another relative sit on the throne. David, God gave it to David, but David would be blessed to see several of his descendants sit on his throne. Well, he wouldn't see it directly. He'd see his son. In the long run, what is Solomon doing here? He's looking at God's loving mercy in the past and applying it to the present. So that, that leads us to ask our first question as we ask, do you have Christian wisdom? Do you look at the Lord's loving mercy in the past? Now, you've heard me say from this pulpit many times, the first group of people I was called to serve as a pastor served a lot of people that were in their 90s who had been teenagers or just got married, just rented or just bought that first piece of farmland when the grasshopper plagues came. And if that wasn't bad enough, one day a storm cloud full of soil from Kansas and Nebraska came flying across the South Dakota border. I can't imagine looking at that cloud, and they would describe that to me going, what am I going to do? I loved it when they shared their stories, and I sure wish I had been smart enough to bring a digital voice recorder, but I probably would have betrayed pastor confidences. But the thing that always amazed me, and I remember several times just at a nursing home, where weren't not even just members of my church, where several people had gathered to hear the word, talking about those dust bowl days and the grasshopper plagues. And that, you know, they, one of the things they always said, you just wait a minute, it'll be there, guaranteed. They always said, but we always had enough. Maybe they didn't get fat. Maybe they didn't have extra to put away in savings. But they knew the Lord had always provided. Do you have the wisdom, as Solomon did, to look back in your life when the storm clouds of life are coming at you to say, whoa, 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 no need to panic right now. God has taken care of me in the past. He'll certainly take care of me in the present. And let's admit it, brothers and sisters in Christ, the future as a whole is hidden from us other than the fact that God has told you you arrive safely in heaven so long as, as he keeps you faithful in his word. But you can also apply it to the future. I don't know that this storm cloud is going to mean 10 years of drought and, and clouds, but I do know God's going to take care of me. And you can say the same as life hits you, and you get to share that with your neighbors. So do you have Christian wisdom? The first question we look at is, 
Do you look at the Lord's loving mercy in the past, the fact that even 2,000 years before you and I were born, He already died on the cross for us, already sent somebody into our lives to bring us into His grace so that we are His children. Do you look at the Lord's loving mercy in the past so that you can trust in it at the present and the future? Solomon continues, verse 7, And now, O Lord my God, you have caused your servant to rule in the place of my father David. Yet I'm an insignificant young man. I do not know to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen to be a great people who cannot be numbered or counted because of the multitude. Solomon confesses a couple of things here. I'm an insignificant young man. I'm a teenager. What do you mean you're insignificant? You're the king of Israel. But he also says, I don't know to go out or to come in. Maybe today we'd say, I don't know if I'm coming or going. But really, if I were to translate this into a modern idiom, I'd say, I'd translate it as, and I'm wet behind the ears. Solomon here beautifully confesses he's ignorant and inexperienced. I truly believe this is why God told him, here's a blank check. God knew he'd ask for wisdom. And God was doing this to show him, you're not ignorant. You do have the wisdom. But Solomon was humble with that and able to recognize there are a lot of things he does not know, but God had given him the wisdom to navigate that ignorance and inexperience. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, let me tell you about Pastor Sherman many years ago. After he was just installed into the pastoral ministry, there are plenty of times where I, because of previous occupations, I had not been typical to our synod's training system where I go from a high school where I'm very guarded from the world into our pre-seminary, into our seminary. I was not naive to the world, and yet there were many a times where there was experience I wish I had had. To this day, I painfully remember the first time somebody came to me for an alcohol counseling. Now, most of that's going to remain confidential, but I do remember I had out the manual that shows how many drinks everybody has a day and all this other stuff, and basically foolishly tried to play somewhat of a psychologist. I didn't have the experience. The Lord blessed certain things that happened in that meeting anyways. Many, many years later, giving pastoral care to a person who was also an addict, the person, when they were done, said, Wow, you applied God's word to me. You pointed out my sin and you forgave it. That's the first time I've had this because usually I get before these counselors who just pull out this manual and start asking me how many drinks I have a day. And brothers and sisters in Christ, do you know how many times when as a pastor I have had to put out uh, controversies in a church because a brother or sister in Christ, a lay member, did not realize how ignorant and inexperienced they were? Oh, they thought they knew a Bible passage and ignored the whole context or ignored the rest of Scripture and moved stubbornly headstrong like a horse running for the open barn door, not caring who they trampled over, not realizing how ignorant and inexperienced they were because they thought they knew something. We're all guilty of that. We're all guilty of that time when God presents us, get the opportunity to plant or water the seed to our neighbor, and we're ignorant and inexperienced when we walk away going, oh, I should have said this, should have said that. Well, you know, lots of times the Holy Spirit, in fact, every time he knew what he was doing and had you say what he needed you to say anyways. But let's admit it. If we don't have those times, then we're not going to do things like shameless plug for Bible study. Come to Bible study and learn how to apply that word and ask pastor, hey, pastor, I had this person this one time ask this and then the next time be prepared because it'll happen again. Do you see how ignorant and inexperienced you are 
so that you can confess, as I often do as a pastor, Lord, you know better than I. Let your will be done. Because it is amazing how often my plans can be just as well intending as yours, and yet God's plans are perfect, and he has a different route. Let your will be done. And then, in that ignorance and inexperience, we can learn how to apply God's law and gospel and his love and live in that grace and apply that, that forgiveness. In verse 9, Solomon finally gets to what he's going to fill into the check. He says, and so give to your servant a, and the Hebrew verb he uses is hearing, a hearing heart in order to govern your people. So we usually translate that as understanding. The Holy Spirit knew what he was doing when he had the Hebrew word hearing written here. What am I getting at? Well, I don't want to get into politics, but we used to have a Supreme Court justice. Well, I'm sure we've had more than one, and I'm not going to name names because I don't want to be political. But the Supreme Court, this is where you really want your case to be heard. This is the end of the line. You want those nine judges to be paying attention. And we had one judge that was infamous for falling asleep through entire court cases, whose aides would come and have to wake that Supreme Court judge up afterwards. And then that Supreme Court would, judge would make a decision. Do you think that was an unbiased decision? If they had not actually listened and heard both arguments and applied the Constitution to it, do you think that was justice? Solomon says, Lord, let me not be that way. Let me hear. Let me apply that in another way. Not too long ago, I came across a, 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 an incident that had happened. David Ramsey, he's a Christian man, but he's, he's known for having a radio talk show where people call in and he gives financial advice. Had a younger lady call in. She had an eight-month son. She was shacking. She was not married. The guy she was shacking with was living with her. And it wasn't too hard to figure out for me as she was talking, this guy was a deadbeat. He doesn't have a job, and financially, he's draining her. So she starts talking to David Ramsey about whether or not she should sell her home and move into a lesser quality home, in this case, a townhouse, where she could take that extra uh, money she would make to pay off her debt. David Ramsey says, financially, that's a good plan. Sounds like you don't want to sell your home. She starts crying. He starts asking her a few questions. Finally, all of a sudden, he says, do your mother and father live nearby? My mother's dead. My father and brother do call them. Call them now. And then after that, he turns around and says, ma'am, you need to call the police. You need to call the police right now. Is he standing next to you? Yes. Yes, he's standing there. He has my son in his arms. David Ramsey, recognizing this was a private affair and didn't want to embarrass her in front of the nation, switches her over to one of his people. Did not drop her. Remember, this is a Christian man. They call the police for her. They call a Christian counselor that he knew to intervene. And the next day, because it happened on the radio, uh, David Ramsey gave just a quick update. But that Christian counselor was there explaining what was going to happen. Everything was okay. And that Christian counselor asked David Ramsey, how could you figure out out of that that you needed to call the police? Here's where we get into having a hearing heart. David Ramsey says, I've been given financial advice for many years. He said, I have never had someone called that distraught. You do not call that distraught unless your life is in danger. A hearing heart. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, let me tell you again about an inexperienced pastor, me, and comfort that came. In my first year of ministry, uh, a dear sister in Christ who I had to help, the Lord used me to help walk through some very difficult times, uh, one day turns around and says, you have the most beautiful prayers. Brothers and sisters in Christ, my prayers aren't like poetic and everything. I realized very quickly I had learned, because I did a lot of pastoral care, 
You listen to the problems. You apply the word of God. But then, I've had Christians tell me, I'll pray for you and walk away when when I see the storm cloud of life coming. And I really get the impression they're just blowing me off and it's a way to get away. I actually took the issues that I hear in their hearts and I pray through them. That's why she thought those prayers were beautiful. So, as we ask, do you have Christian wisdom? We also got to ask, do you hear God's word? Because you cannot apply God's word unless you're hearing God's word. And by the way, you hear it very passively in a sermon. If you stand and say, oh, oh, pastor, I have a question. My neighbor was got this. You're going to ruin my sermon. I'm going to lose my train of thought, right? But in Bible study, you're supposed to do that. So again, please. Bible study is a great place to hear the word of God. So is the sermon, obviously. Do you hear the word of God, but then not just the word of God, but as David Ramsey did that day, applying practical experience and everything, do you hear your neighbors cry for help so that you can pray for their problem, apply the word to it, both the law and the gospel, but especially God's grace, and give the proper help? We're going to take the rest in one chunk because God sees what's really in Solomon's request. So again at verse 9, And so give to your servant a hearing heart in order to govern your people, in order to discern between good and bad. Notice I've emphasized discern between good and bad. Because who's able to govern this, your great people? Now this request was pleasing in the eyes of the Lord that Solomon had asked this request. And so God said to him, On account of what you asked for in this request, and you did not ask for many days for yourself. Who of us wouldn't, especially get older, say I'd like to have a longer life and I'd really like to have health. Can I have the health I had when I was a teenager? And you did not ask for riches for yourself. Lord, if I could have a billion bucks, that would really help get things down life's highway. And you did not ask for the life of your enemies. That's security, right? Kill my enemies so I can live in security. Think of the ways even in our jobs we'd like to take care of other people so we could have financial security. But you did ask for yourself in order to discern and hear justice. Pay close attention. I've done according to your words. Pay close attention. I've given you a wise heart and one that is discerning so that no one like you has existed before you and no one like you will arise after you. Discernment. Discernment between good and evil is what Solomon asks for. Well, there's a lot of good and evil we have to ask. Do you discern between good and evil? Again, it amazes me how often people think there's a law in the Bible that isn't there. How do we take care of this? Well, we listen to sermons that Shameless plug for Bible study again. I really am a big fan of Bible study, folks. It's it's amazing the things I've learned and, and others have learned through Bible study. But to be able to discern good from evil, we have to know because an unbeliever, they have a general idea of morality and stuff, but they do not understand God's holiness, God's grace. And without understanding that, they cannot understand good. They cannot understand what true evil is. And to properly discern and to be able then to uh, apply that we have to be able to discern the law. The law tells us what holiness is. The law is good, but the law always damns sinners. No matter what, every time the law is heard, it's always damning a sinner. It always is accusing us of our sins. So not only do we have to be able to discern when to use the law and when to use the good news of salvation in Christ, we have to understand how the severity of the law. So what do I mean by the severity of the law? I think a really good example is when Peter denies his Lord. Jesus had warned him earlier on that night he would deny him three times. And the first time he denies him by a young girl, 12 to 14, whom he probably could arm curl. The third time he denies his Lord, does Jesus stand up and scream across the court, I told you, I told you, why didn't you listen to me? Jesus' law was as exactly severe as it needed to be for Peter. Now, Jesus is God. He can read hearts. He looked at Peter. 
And Peter went away and wept. You and I cannot read hearts, so we have to know our neighbor. And if we're not sure, then don't proclaim it the law as severe. You'll have a chance to proclaim it more severe if they didn't get it. So we have to understand also to distinguish the law from the gospel. Say, for example, that we could never get anybody to mow our grass. Who's going to really give the right motivation if I say, you're all going to burn in hell if you don't love the Lord enough to mow the grass? Oh, some of you will do it, but your motivation will be fear, won't it? But when we change that to say the Lord has done everything for you, he gives you everything, he's given you the greatest treasure. And this is one of the services that the world might think is insignificant, but it helps beautify our church to attract people to come in so that we can share the gospel. There's a different motivation, isn't it? There's no guilt in that one. And so Solomon asked for the wisdom to discern between good and evil. And if we apply that to ourselves, do you discern between good and evil so that you can rightly apply the law and the correct amount of the law so, and especially, though, that you can apply the good news of salvation in Christ, the gospel, to the situation. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Christian wisdom is knowing that eternal salvation is the greatest treasure of all, living in that grace, knowing that forgiveness, applying it to ourselves and to others, and applying that grace. So we've asked, do you have Christian wisdom? But as I said, I think God was already telling Solomon, I've already given this to you to point it out to him. And I think the same is, can be said of you. Do you look at the Lord's loving mercy in the past so that you can trust in it in the present and the future? Do you know how ignorant and inexperienced you are so that you can confess, Lord, you know better than I, let your will be done? Do you hear the word and your neighbors cry for help so that you can pray for their problem, apply the word to it and give the proper help? And do you discern between good and evil so that you can rightly apply the law and the right amount of the law and the gospel to the situation? Because brothers and sisters in Christ, you can't apply too much of the blood of Christ. If you can't apply too much gospel, it's a treasury that never ends and it brings out old and new and you and I are bathed in the blood of the lamb and live in it because God has given us the wisdom, the new person to know you are God's redeemed child. Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.